This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What you gotta see is when you're standing next to me. Everywhere you turn, you learn that you're never alone. But what you gotta know is we got a long way still to go. And life is much better together and not on your own. Yeah, you and I know we can make it high alone. So come on over and come together. You're all I need to give Hello, everyone, and welcome to another b-side episode of set lusting bruce that's right today we get off the bruce springsteen trail and we talk other kinds of music and joining me today is an up-and-coming fascinating musician from austin texas hey ryan how you doing i'm great how are you i am super thank you for joining me well, thanks for having me. Ryan was very quick to say, I know nothing about Bruce Springsteen. I, I now have to take him and his lovely wife, Ellie, to the next Springsteen concert when he comes to Austin, because I figure it's my responsibility. Uh, we would love that. <laughs> All right. Ryan, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Give us your background and kind of where you grew up, and then we'll start talking about music. My name is Ryan Harkrider. I'm born and raised in Austin, Texas. I'm a second-generation Austinite. Thank you very much. Yes, yay. <laughs> and my, I come from a very musical family. My, both my parents growing up were choir directors at at, at my the church I grew up in, and my my aunts and uncles are choir directors. My grandfather, my grandfather. Are, my grandfather, particularly, were, uh, was a, a big band director in Fort Worth. He taught it, taught uh, conducting at TCU wow. and at North Texas. And mm-hmm. so I come from a very, uh, a very musical family. And my my sister sings, and my my wife Ellie, as you know, she sings yes. as well. My entire life, I have been surrounded by music and by a lot of musical people, and. I've been very fortunate just to kind of continue on in my, with a career of my own. So I've, I've played in bands, I've sung in choirs, I've taken, I was a music major at UT here in Austin. Mm-hmm. So Ryan, if you'd gone into counting, you would have been the black sheep of the family. Well, it's funny because uh, I, in some ways, yes. In other ways, no. My dad, who pl- pl- also played the trumpet mm-hmm. um, in, the U- in the Longhorn Band, uh, probably his junior or sophomore year, he had to quit the band, yes. and he went to a business school. Oh, and he, okay. And he has been a banker in Austin um, for over 30 years. As, so I, I wouldn't say I would have been the black sheep, yeah. um, but I would have been the minority for sure. We've made that joke with your lovely bride, Ellie, because she is – her family her brothers and sisters are all very eclectic and you know she's an attorney but she also (laughs) performs in the band so i think she she has her feet in both worlds so to speak 
Yes, she uh, she's she's very busy. She yeah. get she gets up very early and she stays up very late. Yes, I know. <laughs> we also may have to talk about your fandom of soccer when we get to this a little bit later. I know that's something you're passionate about as well. I would love to talk about soccer. I, I know you would. <laughs> There's not many people I get to talk to about. Yes, I know that. So Ryan, I think that's really interesting, and you often hear. The classic story, especially of like Whitney Houston and Aretha Franklin and a lot of soul singers, their first experience is singing in a church. You know, that's almost a cliche, but you did grow up with a background of people being involved in the your the church's music program, correct? I did, certainly. Do you think that influenced you some? You know, it's funny because – uh, and me personally, I don't have a huge musical soul and Motown discography. Like, yeah. like my parents didn't really listen to that music okay. growing up, and and I always am. I always I've always wondered why mm-hmm. I'm so drawn to that music. Yeah, and I I believe that gospel and that that church is what is the foundation for all of this music. Oh, so, I, I absolutely believe. I, I think that's my connection. I think that's as you mentioned a lot of. A lot of singers' connection, musicians' yeah. connection to this music, to soul music. So, When you talked about singing from the hymnals, it, it reminds me um, a few years ago, Alan Jackson did a collection of you know, Blessed Assurance, and he mm-hmm. pulled the old Baptist hymnal, and he did a collection of songs. And I, can't, I grew up in the Baptist church. I converted to Catholicism when I started dating uh, Linda, my wife, and... Mm-hmm. It is still when I hear the chords of some of those hymns, I immediately know the words. I know the chorus. It, it I'm brought back to that immediately. Yes. You went to school there at UT, Hookem Horns, and mm-hmm. uh, with and you got your degree in music. Well, I was um, I, I have a I have a minor in music. Okay. I, I was a vocal performance. Um, major and composition major okay. for about two years, and then I was, I kind of got burnt out. Mm-hmm. Music, the music program, not so much of the music school, but more because I was playing in bands, right. just doing a lot of extracurricular musical yes. things, and I just, you know, my passions were rock and roll and my own solo career, my song yeah. singer songwriter and. At the time, the Ransom Notes, which is where Ellie and I met. Okay. And so I just kind of got burnt out with it a little bit. Sure. And so I changed my major, and I, I have a degree in religious studies okay. and uh, and a minor in music. Ah, oh, very nice. Kind of true to your roots in talking about that. You mentioned with a desire for your own music and what you're doing. Um, how long have – I mean, well, let me start with the question. Have you always – had music in your head that needs to be brought out Uh, yeah absolutely and that and that for me is um i i love being a vocalist okay that's my primary instrument i play piano i play guitar but my primary instrument is is singing and that is something that i can i love because i can carry that with me Uh, and I, i you know elliot always gets on me because i am always 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 singing right uh, and i don't even know it's happening and mm-hmm. so and that i've my entire life has been like that i've always had 
song stuck in my head or or melodies or whatever and i think that you know over the last couple of years it's been really important to try and really harness that and really d- put direction to that and the, having a band like the night owls mm-hmm. is a, a great outlet for that music inside of me for sure were you the kid that always sang along on the radio yes in fact and i, I sang along with the radio i sang a lot of harmony and my family, you know, one of my favorite kind of family, musical family tales is, yeah. and this still it continues today, one of our traditions is to, um, you know, my grandmother sings, my mom sings, my sister sings, um, my dad sings. And one of my our traditions is to get into uh, the car on like Christmas Eve and go look at, drive through the neighborhood and go look at Christmas lights and sing, you know, Christmas carols in like four part harmony. We'd oh. all just make up our own parts and just, mm-hmm. you know, we've all sung these songs for years. And, yes. You know, my sister's a, a soprano, my mom's an, a soprano, my grandmother is an alto. And so we just, we have all the parts. And so it's, it's we're always, it's, it, the music in our family just never, ever stops. My, my other obsession uh, musically is Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, and I don't know oh. if you've had the chance to see the movie Love and Mercy that came out this summer. No, not yet. You you need to see it. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, it, they it's set in two time periods, um, in, during the height of him recording Pet Sounds, and mm-hmm. then um, John Cusack plays him in the '80s. Um, and he talked about that he and his brothers and his mother and father would be around the piano doing four freshman harmony. Um, can imagine the joy in that car seeing Christmas lights and singing that is something uh, pretty beautiful. Certainly. It's 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 a Harkrider family tradition for sure. <laughs> you know, I, I love that and because in a lot of ways, and I'm sure I mean, you would never even think about recording that. That's just something that's live, that's there, you're experiencing right then and there, and it moves on. It's something, but it, you know, you're, you're right. It, it it only exists, I guess, in that moment. It would be nice to record it, but at the same time, that's the those are those are the memories that we have. Those things will never will never forget that. I guess. Yeah, that is that is amazing. Talk about you grew up in Austin, which is. I guess Nashville would be ahead of it as far as, you know, <laughs> mecca of live music. Austin is rightly known as one of the musical capitals of this um, of the United States. Growing up there, did you see a lot of live shows? Did you go to more of the local bands? Did you see the national bands that come on? What Talk to me about your concert-going upbringing and how that may have influenced your performances. Sure. You know, I... I don't have a huge similar to my early musical discography. I don't have a huge a list of um, live performance, live shows that I've yeah. been to. That's and I and I've always been curious why because I love going to see live music. I, yeah. And I do have very I have story I have stories that I can still recall of me sneaking into the old Antones okay. on, on fifth street to yes. go see Bob Schneider and the scabs. Okay. Um, that's one of my favorite, you know, and that was, you know, what, seven, 16, 17. And yeah, I would go see that. And really it, I, there's not a whole lot of, you know, really powerful, you know, or a huge legacy of live performances. And I, and I, 
and that and that continues to be a problem today. And I and I think what it is is just because I've I've always lived and performed the way the way I do now. And right. is that I'm I'm I mean right I I play four or five nights a week. Yes. And so the times, <laughs> the available times to go out are very are very slim. And that and it it it's it's sad for me because I love going to see live music, but. Let's talk about your first attempts at songwriting. Do you remember any of your early songs? Uh... Um, I do. <laughs> with pride or with a little bit of sheepiness? Well, both for sure. Mm-hmm. Both. Um, I was I, I was in high school. I remember. Actually, it's funny because I remember. I was a, I was a, I was a freshman in high school and I was in. Uh, the the high school musical okay. and I was the little guy and I was looking up to all these seniors yeah who were in the play as well they were all playing guitar and singing and I thought oh man that is the coolest thing of, of all time <laughs> obviously they're the older guys and I want to you know look up to them and so I that Christmas I asked for a guitar and my parents gave me a guitar for Christmas and I learned how to play it and a year later I started writing songs again just as to impress my friends, yes, the, you know my girlfriends or whatever. But yeah. and right around that time, I also joined my first like rock and roll band. So right. I kind of had a, a really fun kind of best of both worlds musical writing experience because on one hand I could sit in my room with my guitar and just try to you know write my own, figure out what my sound, what my style is. But then. I would go and, and write with the band, and I was able to, as the vocalist, and in that band, I, I didn't play anything. I was just the singer. And so yeah. I could, in some ways, kind of orchestrate these instruments. We had guitar and bass and, and drums. And so I could say, here's kind of my idea, and I would tell the guitar, play something kind of like this, and mm-hmm. do something kind of like this. And so you kind of get, I kind of got my first experience of, in so, you know, kind of orchestrating with these instruments and so it's so it was a really really kind of crash course in a lot of things so ryan it sounds like even early you had that producer arranger kind of mindset when you were interacting with your bandmates certainly Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's something that i still continue to hone to today something that i eat and i love to do is is basically come up and that's why i love the night owls so much because there's there's so many instruments and so much you know so many so many textures and so many different things to work with that you can really create these beautiful massive like arrangements we're going to talk about that a little bit later i love the releases you guys have uh, done and i think that's amazing but i'm curious ryan you mentioned that you did not have a huge soul um, rhythm and blues background, but that's what you were drawn to. What did you listen to in your preteen, teenage years? Sure. Well, my in my house when I was growing up as a kid, yes, I grew up on Oklahoma and the Sound of Music, okay, and musicals and and Phantom of the Opera, okay, and and and, and then singing out of the hymnal, okay. In church, and then when I got to middle school and in high school, I was, you know, started listening to really what my first one of the biggest influences that I had on me was I was really into Boys to Men. 
Okay, sure. The harmony, I could see that. The harmony and the soulfulness, and yeah. the, you know, those guys are amazing, amazing singers, performers, vocalists, especially. And so that, and that had a huge impact on me. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I, I got into you know rock and roll, and I'm you know my I was in a rock and roll band, so my at that time you get into Led Zeppelin, you get into Pink yeah. Floyd, kind of get into the classic stuff. Really, my first foray into the soul, really the soul in the 60s and 70s, soul and Motown and funk was a little bit in college because when I auditioned for when I auditioned for this acapella group called Mm -hmm. Notes, where I met Ellie, for some reason. Well, I know why, because in in my rock and roll band in high school, one of our covers was Let's Get It On. I'm not sure. I don't know where that originated. Great song, but yes. Great song. Yeah. Very oddball for us. Yeah. Um, but I auditioned with that, and I've always loved that song. Right. And because as a vocalist, it's just a, a, a challenging and, and fun to sing. Mm-hmm. And But really, my I guess my first foray into that, that solo soul Motown was I got a call from who the, the guy who's, in, who's the guitar player for the Night Owls. Yes. Um, his name is Amos. And I got a call from him, who I didn't know at the time, about – six or seven years ago now and he he was in and running a a 10-piece soul and motown cover band okay called the matchmaker band and i got a call they were looking for a male lead vocalist and Mm -hmm. i thought you know i was doing my solo singer songwriter stuff right i was just kind of at the time i was getting kind of tired of just strumming an acoustic guitar (laughs) yeah doing your version of uh dylan or gordon lightfoot and just exactly yes exactly and i just i remember just in that time just craving you know i had a i had a band but i i was craving a a a big ruckus loud powerful band live performance to be a part of right i love to perform and that's one of the things that i missed being solo singer songwriter brooding mm-hmm. moody you know you kind of have sometimes you kind of get pegged to be in that as a songwriter yeah. but anyway i got a call from amos and i auditioned and i got the part yeah and i got thrown into a band that had a song list of 60 80 songs and i yeah. i had spent two three months you know, before my first gig, learning all these, you know, obviously uh, hits that everybody knows, Science right. Delivered, Superstition, I Want You Back, Let's Stay Together, Al Green, Stevie right. Wonder. Then also all these songs that I, I didn't know as well, B-side mm-hmm. stuff that I've kind of, I, I learned that I, you know, that kind of stuff really resonated with me much more than anything I grew up with, anything that I was listening to. And so it really... From that point, I really, I really felt at home, not only as a, a vocalist, but as a performer, as a, and then at, you know, I was able to kind of tailor, start to tailor my songwriting um, to that style, and I, it's, it's been really a, a very fun, fluid process for me. My first experience with you as a showman was you and Ellie's wedding, and if you guys haven't figured this, Ryan and I know each other. We're we're family. I am Uncle Jesse. He's marrying my niece Ellie. Um, my brother-in-law Ralph is his father-in-law, and Ralph's like, "Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a pretty fun wedding reception. I think we're going to have a little bit of music." And I, oh, well, that'll be fun. And 
I don't know how you did this while planning a wedding and doing all the groom things, but you ended up having three or four sets of different bands, all just friends of yours come and perform. That must have been just an amazing undertaking, and I hope you remember part of it, at least. (laughs) Uh, I I do. I I look at pictures. Yes. um, And I have very blurry memories of it. (laughs) (laughs) I will first say that Ellie granted me my beautiful bride. Yes. uh, Very loving and gracious with me, gave me the responsibility to do the music and not much else. Yes. So <laughs> I want to say that me, that that was really one of my only roles of that day. And yes. so I, I am, I, you know, it's something that I love and I love, right. but I, it's all because of Ellie. Okay. Certainly because she allowed me to not have to worry, not have to worry about the flowers or the things yes. I'm not good at or yes. that I have an opinion about, I guess. Right. But, um, but you know, Ellie and I are surrounded um, by beautiful, talented people. And we, it was very important to her and it was very important to me to make our, our wedding, our day of celebration, it, it, you know, a celebration for everybody and to include yes. our friends, our family in, in this celebration. And what, you know, when you have all these talented people, it's, I want, I want to, What's fun for me, what's fun for Ellie, and I think yeah. for like-minded people is yeah. that it's fun to share those talents with each other. As always, I was just basically a, a, an organizer and then a cheerleader yes. from, from the side, and 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 then a, a very humble, please begging, please, will you come sing? <laughs> will you learn? Will you learn these songs uh, for the wedding? It, so. it was the most organized. Yet spontaneous jam session, uh, short of like, picture the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that where you know everyone kind of gets on board. Um, They just they had this, you know, they had the kit set up. They had you know the basic uh, instruments, and they just rotated in. Uh, Ellie's brother Ryan played drums. Uh, Ellie's dad. Uh, Ralph played drums. They had others. They had singers. They had people would just like, oh yeah, I brought my horn. I'll just jump on and play. <laughs> you know, we'll do the wait. Come on. Yeah. Uh, and it was just amazing. I, I'm sure that I, I thought it was a great moment when all your um, the guests, including Linda and I and my son Chris, are all like, best wedding ever, best wedding ever. <laughs> Yeah, that was actually, it's funny because the very last song, it was Bye With A Little Help From My Friends, the Beatles tune. Yeah, and yeah. we did the, the the Joe Cocker version of that, right. which is one of my favorite. Oh, um, absolutely. And it's funny because I was, I, I, I had, Chris was standing right next to me during that whole song. And yeah. he was so amped up and so pumped that yes. night. And I remember he was so happy. He was like. Sl- he was trying to, I think, pat me on the back, but he yes. was slapping me on the back yes. so hard. 
And I was trying to be cool because, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm new to the family. Yeah, you know? exactly. I'm not even 24 hours in. And I don't want to be like, <laughs> hey, dude, calm down. You know, I got to, you know, I got to be the strong new husband, yes. you know, here. So, <laughs> yes. But he's slapping my back. <laughs> but it, it, it was a very powerful moment. You know, and that, that, that song especially was very intentional. You know, we wanted to make sure right. it, we wanted everybody to, you know, it's family. And yeah. It's weird. Ellie and I are there because of all you guys. So. Absolutely. You've kind of, you've been a lead singer for this, um, you know, Motown tribute band. I know you also, one of your gigs is, as my brother-in-law Ralph explained, he says, yeah, like people call Ryan and go, I have X amount of money and I want live music at this event. Okay, I can get you this, this, and this, <laughs> and you know, and you do musical chairs and kind of, it, it's almost Tetris of okay, yeah, I can get you some live music, and at that price point, we can get you this kind of music. What do you like and everything? Which I think is fascinating. I, I think that is a great, and we we should do a show on that alone. Just how do you figure <laughs> that out? But. Talk to me about the Night Owls. First off, for those who don't know, why don't you give me your elevator speech of what the band is, and then talk about the roots, how it got started, where you're hoping to go. So, is that vague enough, Ryan? I'll start with the elevator pitch. Okay. The Night Owls is a 10-piece retro soul band. We are mod- kind of modeled and inspired by the 60s and 70s Motown and soul, and we are a dance, dance heavy horn, horn band. Okay, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I mean it's true. It is, and I will tell you, they they dropped their first CD, and being a you know supportive uncle, you immediately go buy it from Amazon and you buy it from iTunes because that's what you do if you're an uncle. And so you start playing this, and and I live in Dallas. I haven't been to Austin, so I've I've I've. I've seen little clips of it, but I have not seen them perform live. It just hasn't worked out. And all of a sudden, it's the CD that you go, wait a minute. This sounds like a retro sound, but it's an original composition. It was this kind of crooked head, as we say, you know, when your dog looks at a strange sound, you go, this is original, yet in that style, and it was something amazing. Did you guys start out knowing you wanted to do original music? Yeah. So okay. I had been in Matchmaker, the, the cover band, right. for two or three years, and I was kind of, uh, you know, a couple things happened. I, 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 I kind of got bored. And, and bored is the worst word to put it, but I guess what the I got I got tired of singing other people's music. I'm a creative right. guy and I'm a songwriter, and so yes. and then so I I got the itch mm-hmm. to, to 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 write again. Yeah. And and what it also happened is that when you dig into that style of music or into any style, yeah. But and for me, when I was singing in this band two to three nights a week. Um, it really gave me a crash course in how does a how does a ten piece band work? How how do they how does it perform together? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you write a song for a ten piece band? Yeah, all these skills that I had zero basically zero experience in prior to joining the cover band, and then you I learn all these different things on you know how do how to dance. I mean that this yeah. is 
fundamental as this is. But but to be fair, you know, you've already seen based on your upbringing and your experience, you had a mindset for production and arrangement anyway. Um, You know, like sometimes writers already have a built-in sense of plot or character development, and so then they just need to learn the tools of whatever genre they want to try to write in. So you kind of have that gifts or skill set, or you've worked on that. You had that kind of roots, pardon the pun, right, of what you kind of know. So you're listening and performing, and you're absorbing all this, correct? Yeah, it's very much an education. Like right. A, like a hands-on internship yes. you know, in 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 you know managing leading singing right. performing in a 10-piece band okay now okay. when you say a 10-piece band i'm going to show my ignorance or my okay. inexperience is there a normal set when you say 10-piece like uh, when you picture rock and roll you know there's a lead guitar rhythm guitar and a bass and a drums right mm-hmm. so 10 piece is it is there a set kind of breakdown of what instruments you need to have or it really is depending on personal preference um it's it's part it's personal preference okay. i you know I, uh, there I, you know i think that being in a in a, a soul band i think yeah. that there are some things that you need okay. i think you, you need horns yes or but you don't have to, i well i guess need is the wrong word it, it typically the norm is to have horns and to have, you know, very heavy vocals in yes. harmony. Absolutely, that's the norm. But right. James Brown, not a whole lot of background vocalists. So right. there's, you know, there's really, there's, there's not, there's not a, I guess, uh, a standard. I guess. In your mind, when you're thinking this and going, hey, I think I want to do this, what did you know you wanted to have? Well, I, you know, one of the things that I'm I, obviously my one of my favorite things is to sing and to sing in harmony. Yes. So I knew, I knew I wanted to have background singers, or, or and really I I wanted to have you know talented um, singers in the band. Okay. And I'm very fortunate because I've got I've got two. Our lineup is two. Is me singing, and yes. then it's two female vocalists, sometimes three. Yes. We've done 11 people. <laughs> yes. Um, typically, it's two female vocalists, and then our drummer, Ben, is a an exceptional, uh, exceptionally talented vocalist. Okay. So it, it's it's great for me because I love – my, my, my background, quote-unquote, background vocalist arrangements are – almost 100 you know almost always three-part harmony and so i i love it because live we're able to pull off these very thick three-part vocal arrangements all right and uh what horns do you have in the band um uh, i have trombone i have saxophone and then trumpet ah very nice Mm -hmm. and keyboards um, I've got a keyboard player who will play, you know, anything from piano. He'll play Whirly. He'll play Rhodes. He'll play mm-hmm. uh, clav, and then organ as well. So there's a lot, a lot that he'll cover. A lot of space that uh, that he'll travel. Absolutely. Did 
so you're in your mind and you've got this itch. You're going, hey, I'm having fun singing other people's music, but I want to, you know, I got to, I got to perform, mom. I got to make my own stuff. <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah. Uh, so tell me, and I, I, we keep getting sidetracked, but you've got this desire. So what's the first step you do? Um. So the first thing I do, so what was what was great at that time is here I am sitting in a in a in a ten piece band full and the kind of music that we play soul music it requires a very high level of musicianship from basically every part everybody has to be very very good at what they do to pull off these songs I mean these Stevie yes. Wonder tunes are exceptionally challenging so I'm in a ten piece band that that has anywhere from 15 to 20 different people that kind of rotate in right. based on availability and whatever. Um, and so what it, what, what, it cre- what it created was really a very, a very thick stable of musicians that yes. were wanting to play this music. And so okay. I was able to kind of very quickly, out of the, the cover band, kind of steal – some players and start the night owls which was kind of it it was started by me and our guitar player amos Mm -hmm. and he and i were living together at the time so he and i were we were able to kind of bounce some ideas off each other as far as songs and so we we had a couple songs ready to go and we got the band Got some guys together and you know made some recordings and passed out the charts and got wrote some yeah. porn stuff and then for us what was always very helpful was that we one of the first things we did was we found a residency mm-hmm. in in, ta- in town so we were playing every Thursday night this place this tiny 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 little bar downtown called Sullivan's it's really a place for jazz musicians. Right. And we would cram a, a seven-piece band in there, and we'd play for three hours, and we'd play, you know, our six or seven original tunes, mm-hmm. and then we'd play, you know, in the, and we'd play all of our, Motown, the, you know, Stevie Wonder, right. whatever. And, you know, we kind of, you know, it, you, we had to kind of find some, some money somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> To get to invest all these people and you know carve out some time in their schedule, so right, um, we just you know started building on all those things and slowly you know booked some showcases and some public ticketed shows and everything started falling into place and writing more music and finding the lineup of the band, which yeah. you know took two years, two and a half, three years, and so, all creative people, I'm sure, but just finding the right mix of you know, who works well together and who's got this point in their life can do this challenge and what's going on. It truly is kind of finding that right chemistry, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's all I ever do anymore is chase musicians around. Right. Because they're trying to get 10 people in a van for 18 days to tour to, you know, basically New York and back. It's... yeah. A nightmare for scheduling and scheduling wise and so i'm always on the phone trying to you know I, i've got my core of nine eight and yeah. nine musicians but yeah uh, there's always there's always people coming and going for whatever reason well life, you know and i'll go back to this other this podcast i was talking about you know writer's room 
they talk about when they're interviewing writers to join staff, they go, do I want to spend 12 hours in the room with this guy or gal? Absolutely. Because even if they're very creative and they're very talented, if they're a jerk, uh, I, this is I need to have fun. And I need to have a life. You've got the problem and challenge, I guess, if we're going to be optimistic, of not only do they need to be strong musically, but they need to be able to be a good teammate and someone who can understand. And everyone's going to get in bad moods, right? But overall, someone you want to hang with. Certainly. That is always the the battle. You yeah. Know? The battle between you – know, and, and you know, here we are, all of us are – are artists. Yes. You know, which can't always, we're not always the easiest to work with. Yeah. And so you're, you're absolutely right in that there is a very much a balance between the, the, the people that, um, are, you know, willing to see the, uh, the big picture and contribute to the overall goal. Yeah. Um, and, and, and do their part. Yeah. And, and, and then those that are, you know, have their attitude or they're, un- they're unwilling to, you know, contribute. So these things, you know, and I'm not talking about contribute to the music, music. I'm right. talking about just, you know, we, we all got to get from New York to Washington, D.C. And everybody's going to have to sleep on the bus tonight. So, yes. you know, everybody's got to be flexible. Yeah. And so- everyone has to, you know, everyone has to take turn driving. Um, you have to find the right mix of, oh my gosh, Jesse has the smallest bladder in the world, <laughs> so we can't get mad at him, but at the same time, you know, Jesse, you may have to hold it a little bit, you know, to kind of calm this, you know, compromise of getting to where we need to go, right? Yeah, and that's, and that's, you know, that's, and for me, the burden, the, the challenge, per, me personally, is the challenge between handling the business and the creative end of things. Yes. Because I'm basically in charge of both, and I'm good at both. Yes. But it becomes, it, 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 you know, I, I basically become a cheerleader for yes. all these people. And my job on the, on the, the organization side and, and the, the, the band, the band leader side is to be, is to minimize um, conflict and to minimize, um, you know, problems and issues, yes. whether, whether that is as small as, you know, scheduling, like you said, scheduling bathroom breaks. Yeah. Like these stupid, ridiculous things that will make everybody's lives infinitely easier. Yes. Or like creating a, um, creating <laughs> who is sleeping in the hotel and who is sleeping in what bed tonight? Right. Like having basically setting expectations. So you for me, it's it's very much a balance of trying to figure out, you know, when is it time to be the dad? Yes. And when is it time when can I actually be <laughs> the the artist? Yes. And so and, and, and it's it's always a balance. It is. And and obviously I can tell you love it, though it is, I'm sure, at times difficult. Um and <laughs> The what some people would view as, you know, that are that have are shy or have stage fright, the idea of actually getting up and singing might be the easiest part of your day. Oh, that absolutely is the easiest part of my day. 
that it, you know, we've been, we've been doing it now. And luckily for us, we've been doing this for, we, we perform upwards of four, five, six times a week. Sometimes. Yes. So for us, when, when the show starts, it is, it becomes the fun part. And it yes. is easy. It, it's, it's easy. And, and that's the part that we all love. And that's, yeah. It, it it becomes tough, especially on the road, because you sp- it's it's ninety nine percent of of hurry up and wait. Yes. Sit around and do nothing, mm-hmm. and then you have your sixty ninety minutes of absolute euphoria. Yeah. Being in front of hundreds of people, you know. Yeah. And then as soon as it's over, you're back to z- you know zero percent. Ryan, on your uh, how consistent are you on your set lists? Do you change it up a lot, or do you be are you pretty consistent? Um, it we have um, we kind of go through waves. We, okay. What we what I what and this goes back to being organized and making yeah. sure people have the correct expectations. Not only you know fans and whatever, but yeah. our, the band. But so what we what I try to do is kind of create. Sorry, are you there? That's okay. Yeah, I'm still here. No problem. I'll cut Sorry. that. My okay. phone, my phone rang. Okay. Um, uh, what I try to do, what I try to do is create blocks of three, four, five songs that we always know kind of go back to back to back. Okay. Because for us, you know, it's very, uh, what we are good at and where our band thrives is energy and right. keeping the energy up and kind of, um, you know, curating. A, a, a moment and really it's it's drama it's theater and so we're always trying to kind of curate and um craft a show to have you know and the energy being a have good waves of energy so the set lists they do fluctuate but mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like okay well we're gonna do these three songs here and then we're gonna do this little block backwards tonight and then okay. we but for the most part um we uh We've been doing the same, the same kind of idea mm-hmm. <laughs> for the past year and a half. Okay. But you know, we're always adding more stuff. Right. That's good. So it, it it does change for sure. Ryan, talk to me about your. Well, go ahead and let's do a little synopsis of your first album. Uh, kind of, you know, when it came out, how did it do, what led to, and then you have a new release, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, so the, we, uh, the first record that we did is called Good as Gold, and we were started recording it in August of 2013. Okay. We we found a local uh, producer in town, guitar player named Jake Langley, and he has a home studio. And we we spent about a week, two weeks in in his studio, and we had been writing the song. We had we had 12, 13 songs. Um, that we recorded yeah. that we had been writing over the course of probably since the band's formation in October of 2011. So almost, almost two years. And um, so, it, you know, it's, it's very much the, 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 the debut album of, okay. of any band in that it's, it's very much a learning process where the, the personnel is solidifying the, the process is solidifying the idea, the concept, the brand, everything. And so it's, yeah. um, the songs basically originated with 
with me for the most part. Um, and, you know, between me and my guitar player, Amos, and then we had a band that we'd been playing with um, for the most part uh, for the, la- the, the, the the previous months. And so we went in the studio, cut it. Uh, we, we cut 12 or 13. Well, what was it? 13. No. Yeah. 13 songs, um, nine of which became Good as Gold, which we released in December of that same year. And we released an EP of the last four songs, Good as Gold B-Sides, about a year later, so in September 2014. Okay. So, um, but, yeah, the the album Good as Gold went on. Um, it actually it, it won, like, it took eighth or fifth. Some It placed in the Austin Chronicle, like, best album of the year. Nice. And, you know, it a couple of our songs um, – we, you know, we really kind of, we really uh, felt strongly about a couple of the songs, and some of the songs have, you know, really gone on to do a lot of good things for us. Um, the title track, Good as Gold, is one of our fan favorites. I'll Be There still continues to be one of our favorite songs to play as a band. So, mm-hmm. you know, we really, you know, we really did a lot of good things with that album. And even though as a debut album, like I said, you're still trying kind of trying on, you know, new skin. On yeah. Ways. Um, so that was very much a cornucopia, <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of a, a mix, a mash of some of those songs were even songs that I had written as a, you know, Americana singer songwriter that I took reworked, rearranged for a big, a big horn band. Mm-hmm. Can't shake this feeling, break, break my heart tonight. Those were all songs that I had written you know, that exist as almost a country song. So a, a lot of just interesting things going on. So, you know, when we went in to do our most recent album, Fame Sessions, you know, the idea for us was we really want to do, we really want to kind of make a pilgrimage to one of the meccas of soul music. And and we want to, we want to, the, at that time, the band had really the personnel had solidified. We had been performing and, and with basically the same ten people, and so we really wanted to kind of dig into the personnel, dig into everybody's strengths, and make it much more of a collaborative, a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Because we were, like I said, I'm I'm surrounded by talented people, and there I wanted to kind of use. And allow everybody to express themselves. And so, you know, as a soul band, we wanted to do something that was tied to history and kind of an education in our craft and do something very, very deliberate. And so what we the idea for Fame Sessions was, excuse me, we were going to get in a van, we were going to tour, um, tour, play some shows, and end up in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and make this record over in Fame Studios, which, if you're familiar with Fame Studios, is is one of the, one of the, you know, historic studios for soul music, and, and in particular for s- Southern soul music, you know, you got, okay. you have Aretha Franklin, and it's where she cut um, Never Loved a Man. Oh, and, okay. Uh, where Wilson Pickett cut Mustang Sally. Wow. um, So all these really, really legendary historic recordings, musicians tracked there. And what is special in particular about this studio is that um, 
is the house band because on all these recordings you basically and Wilson Pickett and Aretha and uh, Little Richard and you basically have uh, one you have like one session band mm-hmm. you have all these guys getting sent out from you know these these artists being sent out from New York to basically nowhere Alabama at that time and mm-hmm. to go to go um, make records with this house band which is they're called the Swampers. And Ooh, they, nice. they cut they are the, the house band for for Fame Studios, and they cut the, uh, on they cut all those songs, and they're this this group of um, of, of white guys mm-hmm. that nobody had ever heard of from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and which went on to you know went on to basically be what you know the Muscle Shoals sound, and what uh, that sound is that really swampy southerny soul sound that came to kind of define a lot of soul music and so for us as a southern soul band as a white band from the south for us it very that that idea really kind of hit home and so we really wanted to kind of dig into that legacy into that history and mm-hmm. for those guys they're still around the keys player spooner oldham who you know cut all those songs he's still a session player and oh, nice. David Hood, the bass player, these guys are still around and still playing music. So we called up the studio and we called up those guys and we we toured, we played some shows and we ended up in Muscle Shoals and we cut the we cut uh, what eight songs and we had those guys come in and collaborate and play and uh, you know be a part of this recording and we wanted because we wanted to you know kind of learn from them and hear the stories and be in the room and in the studio the studio fame fame really hasn't changed a whole lot since the 60s it's you know it's it's definitely got pro tools and it's got modern mm-hmm. recording uh, you know equipment but the carpet is the same Ooh. and the 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 smell you know mm-hmm. it, it the 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 microphones and the ceiling and the color of the walls and you know, it really hasn't changed. And so for us, it's very much, like I said, a pilgrimage yeah. to go to the studio and we to be inspired by it. And that's something that we were really intentional with, with the writing and the arranging, because we 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 tried to immerse ourselves in in the in the, in the weeks and the months prior to that recording to that session, those to kind of immerse ourselves in that music and to to write in that style, but also leave a lot of things open to be inspired by the moment. Because when you go to a historic uh, place and a, a sacred place of, of music, as is Fame Studios, you want to allow yourself to be inspired by that. That is so, that is really wonderful. Um, I'm reminded of the Wrecking Ball documentary I mean, yeah, Wrecking that, Fruit documentary. Yeah, right? yeah, that yeah that talks about you know in California how they had these all these session musicians that if you if you know, look at almost anything of the '60s and '70s you know they were doing all the music and you know back then you just came in and did your vocals if you were a, a rock and roll band so wow I bet that was pretty special. Yeah, it it was. Uh, there's a lot of magic, a lot of really 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 fun stuff Mm -hmm. that happened you know being able to hear the stories from um 
Spooner rolled him the keys player and just, just, you know, those little moments of just chatting. Yeah. Um, all, all those different things um, really pl- had a part in a lot of the, uh, the, the music, the songwriting and the arrangement. So, so I've kept you probably longer than I promised you, but I have, this has been a blast. So I, I want to finish up with a couple questions, Ryan, then I'll let you get on your rest of your day. Is there any songs that you want, you or the band would like to work on added to your set list? Uh, you, what do you, you mean like cover songs? Covers, like a- yes. I, I'm sure there's new things, but is there a cover that you go, you know, that'd be kind of fun to do and we just haven't worked that out yet? Well, um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, we're, for, for me, um, I, I, I'm always kind of looking both, both directions. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm always looking back in history of what did our, what did our forefathers of, of soul and Motown do? How can we learn from that? How can we, you know, yeah. what, what can we do, um, like that? But I'm also continually looking forward and, I'm always listening to to new music and right. new sounds, and so I, I'm always, for me, I'm I, I always like for example, we're in January and February. The band is going to do our second annual Al Green tribute show because Al Green is one of our heroes. Sure. And so we're going to be we you know we did it last year and it was a blast. Yeah, just a blast. And so we're, you know, that's one of the things that we're going to do. But, you know, for us I, and for me, I always, uh, well, you know, like I said, looking back, I, I want to look, move forward. And so we're always looking for great, not only great soul artists mm-hmm. to, to work with, yeah, look, yeah. but just any artist, any great band, any great song. I hear a great song and I, and I, I'm, I I'm always thinking, Ooh, you know, we should we should cover that. We should do like a Night Owls kind of soul version of, uh, you know, of whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever the top, you know, forty song of the day is. You know, I'm the new Justin Timberlake. You know, that that may be a bad example. No, no, no. I think it's good. Um, so Ryan, tell us where we can find you. Me or the Night Owls? The Night both. Owls, uh, or you, if you want to. I'm sure you want to more give a shout-out to where they can find more about the Night Owls, your music, where they can sign up to see where you're going to be performing. Sure. Well, um, that's really all I ever do anymore. <laughs> I sing with the, is with the Night Owls. So the only way to find me is to, find, is to come to one of our gigs or to you know you can find us at wearethenightowls.com um and then you know we're on twitter and facebook and instagram and all those things but go there email me drop us a line you can find us on iTunes you can find us on Spotify yeah at what we're on Amazon you can find yes, our music yeah. there it it would be great for you guys to reach out to Ryan and say, yeah, I heard you on Set Lusting Bruce, and I checked out the music. That'd be a lot of fun. I, I just appreciate this so much, and I I do think that um, next time Springsteen comes through Austin, we'll have to go, and then, I, then I'll have you on the show talking about, um, eh, he wasn't that good. Or, <laughs> oh, okay, maybe I see your obsession now, Jesse. Well, I will say this. When we were on, when we were on tour, this is my one – my my most recent Springsteen 
um, interaction is that we played in Asbury Park. Okay. Which I believe that's where that's Lee Springsteen's backyard. You, so, <laughs> Brian, you buried the lead. We should have started with this story. Continue, please. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, we played at uh, the Saint um, okay. in Asbury Park, and that's you know that's all anybody could talk about was was the boss. Yes. So <laughs> we felt right at home. Good. Well, I will have to send you a couple links, and so that you can maybe. Um, Next time, when Lynn and I see you, you guys can sneak in a Springsteen cover for me. Oh, sure. Okay, that'll be great. All right, so hang there while I say a few things. Uh, if you want to join me and talk about Bruce Springsteen or other musicians or bands you love at, send me an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We do have a Facebook page. And we are at Set Lusting Bruce on Twitter. Please go to iTunes after you buy the Night Owls music and rate and review uh, the podcast. That is how we find audience members. And Ryan, I'm not going to quote one of your songs, but I am going to quote, I hear the guitars ringing out again, ringing on down Union Street. I hear the lead singer shouting out, girl. I want to be a slave to the beat, and I want something that'll break my chains, something to break my heart, something to shake my brains. There's a rocker special on tonight, so meet me on down, neat the neon lights. I want to be where the bands are. Ryan, thanks a lot. This was a lot of fun. Everyone, bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. You're not meant to goodbye. Get a little closer. Get closer. Reach higher. Reach higher. Oh, we can, can make it if we try. Yes, we can. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.